Well, good morning. Happy New Year. So, this year, I did not come up with any New Year's resolutions. I'm calling them goals. Because if you break them, it does not seem like that bad of a deal. Whereas a resolution, I don't know, it sounds a little different. Wordplay. Uh, came up with a couple of goals. Heather wanted me to come up with 22. That was ambitious, so I came up with 11. And uh, one of them is to run a half marathon. So if anybody out there wants to join me in this, I would love, Misery loves, loves Company, you are more than welcome to join. I already got a handful of people. They actually recruited me, I feel. Um, and so I'm going to try and recruit more people to suffer through this with us. Uh, Yes, we, she's, she's one of them, Dixie, which is unfair because she's like, ah, 13 miles, no big deal. Um, so, yeah, new year, new goal, run a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles because 13.2 is just ridiculous. Um, that's what they say. Uh, and, and it's not going to be fun, if I'm honest. Dixie might think it's fun. Uh, a couple other people might think it's fun, and I think you're crazy if you think it's fun. But I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be one of those things that pushes me, that kind of, you know, there's going to have to be a discipline about it. There's going to have to be a training regimen, which sounds so horrible, and there's going to be like just um, camaraderie through it all. So I'm looking forward to running this half marathon. If you want to join us, you are more than welcome to, because this is what I believe you will experience through it. Pain and misery, but company. But also I believe that through it, we might get a sense of what Paul talks a lot about. Because a marathon, even though we're only doing a half, we're not totally psychotic, uh, a marathon is what Paul uses a lot to compare the Christian life. That is not a sprint where it's like, whoo, gave my life to Christ, it's all over. But instead, that's the starting point. And then it is a time and time and time, years, decades of surrender, of going through difficult moments, of fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And so it's not just a one and done. It's not a hundred yard dash. It is a long, long drawn out, wonderful experience where Paul tells, uh, I don't remember which uh, epistle it's in, but in one of them, he says, practice patience for the long. Jesus, he tells us in Luke chapter nine, verse 23, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's not a, I picked up my cross when I gave my life over to Jesus and then I was able to lay it down and call it good. But it is a, I, I love the way that Luke's version says that. That's in the other three gospels as well. But Luke's has that word daily because it is a marathon. It's a long, drawn out wonderful thing, but to say that it is easy would be misleading because it is hard. It's difficult, but it is so rewarding because if you run a half marathon, you know what you get at the end? A 15 cent piece of metal with a five cent piece of ribbon around it. That's about all you get, 20 cents worth and a memory. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, 
Verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, or in this case, a medal. But we, an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You see, there is a race that you have been called to run when you give your life to Christ to run it, but it is not for some perishable reward, but instead for an imperishable, eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so the question is, why? That's what we're going to be looking at today. As we continue our series in Hebrews, we took a little break for our Christmas series. We're picking it back up in Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to be in verse 19. Why should we run this race? Why go through? Especially, we're going to see next week, Hebrews chapter 11, people gave their life for this marathon. People went through swords. People went through being toys for wild beasts. People went through crucifixions, burnings, losing property. People went through horrendous things. And the question that we need to figure out before we know what they did is why did they do it? And Hebrews chapter 1 through chapter 10 verse 18 has been telling us why. Because Jesus is better. Because Jesus is worth it. He is worth your persevering. You're pushing through. You're not giving up the fight. I mean, here we are, second day of the new year, and a lot of people probably already quit whatever resolution they might have made. But if it's to live for Jesus, push on. Continue to fight. Because Jesus is better. If you'll stand, we're going to read our passage this morning. It's Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to get through verse 39, but we're just going to read the first three verses, verse 19 through 21, where the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest of God. Father God, we come before you this morning, and we are just so grateful that we get to be in your presence again. God, that you have given us a new year, another day. God, you have given us time to live for you until eventually you call us home. And so, God, I pray for everybody in this room. I pray for everybody that is listening online that will hear my voice later on down the road, God. Give us the stamina to live for you, to take up our cross daily. So God, I pray that as we look at this today, God, will you speak to us? Let it be your words, and may we be just energized to go out and live for you in everything. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. Thank you. So here, here's the bottom line, basic human fact. What you value most is what you're going to work for. What, what you truly place the most value on, we went through a series called Priorities, kind of talked about that. What you place the most value on, that's what you're going to put your time towards, your money towards, your effort towards, your, your willingness to sacrifice things for. I mean, as a, as a bachelor, I really didn't have to sacrifice for a whole lot. 
It was like, my time, I can do whatever I want. Then I got married, and I realized, hold on, I love this woman so much, I'm going to have to start sacrificing for her. Because what you value is what you invest in. And so, I mean, just think about this. We have military members and first responders who are willing to give up their life. They realize that going into the jobs that they chose, that this could cost me my life. But they realize that there is a value on freedom. There is a value on other people. There is a value on dying to themselves to help other people out. Because they see the value of that. So they're willing to sacrifice for it. Look at how many people place value on money. Giving up everything to pursue their jobs. And at the end of it all, they have a really big 401k, but they don't have a family. They don't have friends. They don't have anything because they said, I'm going to forsake my family. I'm going to forsake my friends. I want money or I want fame or I want whatever it is, possessions. That's what I'm going to pursue after. Because what you value the most is what you're going to work the most for. And so the same goes for Christ. When you value Christ, when you truly place him on the throne that he deserves to be on, Your life is going to reflect that. Your investments are going to reflect that. Your time, your energy, your effort, your money is going to reflect that. uh, The Kendrick brothers, they've kind of made a name for themselves coming out with movies like Fireproof. Flywheel was their first one. They came out with uh, Courageous, Facing the Giants. And on New Year's Eve, I watched with my family their newest one, Overcomer. And there's this guy in the hospital, and he's talking to one of the main characters, and he asks him if he's a Christian. And he said, yeah. And then he was like, well, is your life reflecting that? Are you living out your belief? Because he actually had to draw out a long conversation to get out of him that he was a Christian. And so your life, is it reflecting that you are a believer and that you have placed value on Jesus? Because he says, I want to be Lord of your life. I want you to invest everything. He says that you have to forsake father and mother, brother and sister, even your own life to come after him. He wants you to give up everything and seek him first. It's not just a lip service, but it's a heart change. Because a lot of people are like, well, I value family but they're only home for 30 minutes at a time. And then they're sleeping after that. Well, I value being together in a corporate worship, but they never show up and invest. Well, I value prayer, but they never spend time on their knees. I value God's word, but they're never in it, studying it and reading it. What you value is how you're going to live your life. And God doesn't just want you to say, I value it. He wants you to live it out. Isaiah chapter 29, Jesus says, or Jesus the Lord says, This people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. They give me all the lip service. They say everything that I think they, that they think I want them to say to me, but their heart is not there because they do not truly value God. 
God doesn't just want religious observances. He wants your entire heart. He wants your entire life. He wants you to persevere, to push on through all the difficulty, to continue and fight and live for him. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus persevered. We're told in Philippians to have this mindset among us that is ours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus set the example of how to persevere. To live for the glory of God. That even though whatever it costs you, you push on. You push through. And the first ten chapters of Hebrews show us that it's because Jesus is better. And the reason you have to persevere, again, is because life's hard. Jesus tells us, I have told these things so that you may have peace. John 16, In this world, you will have tribulation. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then James tells us, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Other versions say perseverance. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So we need to persevere, because we're going to have trials, because difficulties are going to come, because you love Jesus, the world is going to hate you. But we hold firm, we push through. And then the writer of Hebrews continues on, By telling us, because Jesus is better, because Jesus has entered into the throne room of God on our behalf, gone before us, he says, let us draw near with a heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He says, hold on. Keep tight grip of who Jesus is and what he has done so that when you see the world going astray, you're not shaken. You're not like the foolish man that built his house on the sand that when the floods come, it crumbles everything, but you're the wise man who built his house on the rock. So when the trials and the rains come, you're on a firm, solid foundation that they come, but your house is firm. You see, we persevere by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's how we persevere. That's how you're going to get through these struggles. Look at Peter. When he was called out of the boat to walk on the water, he started walking on water because his eyes were on Jesus. But then he starts looking around, and he sees the waves. He sees the winds. He sees everything in the world that's going wrong, and he gets scared, and he starts to sink. 
Whereas the author of Hebrews tells us, therefore, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Verse 1 and 2, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which, so, which clings so closely, and let us run, there's that word, with endurance, perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You want to persevere in this life? You want to persevere in your faith? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Doug gave a great uh, meditation, and I, I just want to say real quick, I appreciate every one of you that comes up, takes time, and prepares our hearts for communion and remembering what the Lord did for us. So thank you very much for that. But Doug did a meditation a couple months ago where he talked about, I'm going to butcher it, Doug, I'm so sorry. But uh, he talked about, uh, I think it was the Marines, where they get in a, a crash simulation in a helicopter. I think it's even a water simulation. And they're strapped in and they get in this little hole and they just start spinning it around and you get so disoriented. And one of the things that Doug said that they do to know where they're at is they fix their eyes on an anchor, on a solid point, so that they don't lose their balance and their vision. And if I'm wrong, Doug will correct me later on. He has that permission. But that's how it is with our faith. That man, so often it seems like we're spinning like crazy. That it's like this world is going out of control. We're spinning out of control. Chaos is happening. What the believer is called to do is fix your eyes on Jesus, the one immovable source. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will not move on you. He will not change on you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's how you persevere. That's how you run the marathon by looking ahead to our perfecter, to our creator. Not around at anything else, but to Jesus. But here's the thing, just like Peter, and just like so many people, there's crazy things going on. We start looking around. We take our eyes off Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews tells us what we do. When we're looking away, we need other people to come alongside us and help realign our thought. If I were running this half marathon alone, it would not happen. I'd be like, forget that. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to eat a little extra. I'm going to not wake up, not run. But instead, I need accountability. I need people there doing it with me. The Christian life needs other people. We're called to persevere, not alone, but together. I've said it before, but there's an old saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And that's what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 24. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, not neglecting this gathering, but not only this gathering, but gatherings in your homes, gatherings around coffee, gatherings at events, gatherings where believers come together and what he says stir one another up and encouraging one another. And we should be doing this all the more as the day draws near. The problem is, is that we do it less and less as the day draws near. You might have been able to run five miles and you think, because I can run five, I got the 13. You're not going to make it. But you get comfortable 
And so it's like, I can, I can cut back here. I don't need to train my body so much here. I don't need to be so serious in this region. Whereas the writer of Hebrews says, don't fall for that. Don't become like the world, but instead stand firm. Continue to meet together. Continue to encourage one another. Continue to stir one another up. Continue to hold one another accountable. It's in times where things look like they're going south that you need others. You know, Ecclesiastes tells us, woe is the one who falls but has nobody to pick him up. Woe is the one who's going through a difficult time, who is questioning, God, are you really there? Who is struggling with their faith but has nobody to be there and encourage them. Nobody to point them back to the anchor that is Jesus to direct their thoughts back to him. You see, just like in a marathon, just like in any physical event, look at professional athletes, man, they have a specific diet. They say, I'm going to be careful what I put into my body. They say, I'm going to be careful who I hang around with. They say, I'm going to be careful what things I do in my spare time because I know what the end goal is. Christians should be the same way. That we should be saying, I'm going to be careful what I allow into my mind, what I allow before my eyes, what I allow to spiritually feed into me, not the garbage of this world. I'm going to be careful who I allow really close. We should be ambassadors and in this world, but I'm going to be careful who I let into my inner circle, who I'm going to let speak into my life. Because there's going to be people, when you, whenever you make a goal, and man, church, you guys are this way. I'm not going to eat anything unhealthy. And you all start saying, hey, Andy, you want a donut? <laughs> hey, just have one. It's okay. Ah, you can break it. It's not going to do any harm. And I get it. Y'all are just being playful. But there's a spiritual world out there that is telling you, hey, Christian, it's just one image. It's not really going to hurt anybody. Your spouse isn't going to know. You're going to be fine. It's just a little white lie. It's just a little cussing. It's just a little nudity. It's just a little whatever it is. It's just a, a little compromise here, a little compromise there. And then, then, then next thing you know, you're spiritually unfit. You're spiritually fat and unhealthy. And you're like, how did I get here? It wasn't just one decision. It was a series of decisions that led to that. And so we are called to hold one another accountable, to stand firm with one another, to spur one another on, to keep pushing on to the call that you have received. Because again, there are those who are going to try and encourage you to compromise. They're going to try and say you can enjoy the vices of this world, that, that you can, you know, be close to God and also be totally wrapped up with this world. But the writer of Hebrews gives us a firm warning. He says, if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of, of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment 
and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? He's saying, don't go back to that. Don't fall back into that world, but instead keep pushing on, keep focusing on Jesus, keep living for him, regardless of what the world tells you. Because as he says in verse 35, there is an eternal reward. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive the reward that is promised. Hold firm. Keep pushing. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep running the race with perseverance because there is an eternal reward, one that this world cannot take away. And so what you value most is what you're going to be pushing for the most and what you're going to push through for. So when you realize that you have an eternal reward waiting for you, you're going to say, I don't have time for this spiritual garbage that the world tries to throw at me. Instead, I'm going to hold firm to Jesus. Because again, in a marathon, you're not looking left or right. You're not looking behind you to see what's happened. You're looking towards that finish line, and you're taking it one step at a time, day after day, taking up your cross and following after Jesus. Philippians 3 says, Not that I have already obtained this, or that I am already perfect, perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this is the one thing that I do. I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's calling you to run the race of faith. Or as Paul says in 1 Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Onward, Christian soldier, marching as to war. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Brothers and sisters, keep pressing on. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep running the race. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Persevere for him, no matter what comes your way, because Jesus is better. He proved that. Nearly 2,000 years ago when he gave his life for you in your place and was raised from the dead so that we could receive that eternal reward that we are being called to. And the way that we persevere to wrap this up, the way that you're going to get through this as we've hinted at it, is by preserving your faith. Verse 37, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But instead, we are of those who persevere, who have faith and preserve 
their souls. We maintain the faith. As the world throw thing, throws things at you, as you hear of things that are going to try and pull you away, again, preserve your faith. Do not let it be, undef- be defiled by the things of this world. Because you're not alone in your walk. You have God the Father who is with you. You should never feel alone in your walk because you have a body of believers who are with you. You've been set apart, you have been redeemed, and you have direct access to the creator and king of this world. Because the second part of John 16, he says, I tell you these things that you may have peace in this world, you will have tribulation, but be overjoyed, I have overcome this world. He says, take heart. Don't lose courage. Stand firm because I have overcome this world. The victory's already been given to you. What you've been called to do is to continue running the race, continue fighting the good fight. Because at the end of it all, you will receive a reward that is far greater than this world can ever give you. As Paul says in his final letter, written to Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the good faith. And then he tells Timothy in his first letter, you, brothers and sisters, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Don't give up. God, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus persevered through so many trials and afflictions. God, he he became obedient to death, even death on a cross, so that we can have a model to follow. And so God, I don't know what necessarily is going on in this world. If 2022 is going to be a great year for us, or God, maybe it is the year that we wish never happened. But God, as your children, whatever comes our way, may we fix our eyes on you. May we stand firm in the faith. But God, through all of that, may we not forsake encouraging one another, stirring one another up, and pointing one another to you, the author and perfecter of our faith.